leadership uh, affects every area of our life. Uh, so for the next four weeks, we're going to examine the life of one of the greatest leaders in the Bible, and of course, that is Moses. We're going to see how God took this man and made him into the leader that we see in Scripture. Now, there may be some of you here this evening who are like, well, this doesn't apply to me. I'm not a leader, or my time to lead is over, or I'm never going to be a leader, so this doesn't apply to me for the next four weeks. I can just tune out and not listen like most people typically do. But I want you to know a couple of truths before we, we think you, you think that you're not a leader because everyone here tonight has leadership ability. But everyone here tonight is a leader to someone, even some of our children. You are a leader over someone. See, you may not think that you're a leader, but you're wrong. Moses didn't think he was a leader either. As a matter of fact, in, in Genesis, um, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 3 and 4, we're going to be looking tonight, Moses spends the majority of his time with God telling God that he's not a leader. God comes to him and says, hey, I want you to go lead my children out of Israel. And Moses comes up with excuse after excuse after excuse to say, God, I'm not a leader. You've got the wrong man. You need to find somebody else. You're in the wrong bush right here. Go to another one because I ain't it. Moses did not believe that he was a leader. He, he was so convinced he wasn't a leader that in, in, Gen, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 13, he basically goes to God and says, God, just send somebody else. I'm not who you're looking for. Someone else needs to go take care of this. He doesn't offer God another suggestion. He go, you know what, God, I think you know, Aaron would be better at this, or maybe Jethro would be better at this, or you know, Bob down the street, he's better at this. He doesn't say someone else is better. He just says, God, I'm not a leader. You cannot use me. Moses felt he wasn't the one that God could use. You ever felt that way? You ever had God come to you and lay something on your heart and you think, nope, you got the wrong guy here. I'm not the one you want to use to do this. When, when God called me to start a church, uh, I felt the exact same way. We, I just graduated Bible college and I've been on many interviews and I had several job offers to be an assistant pastor, uh, one down in Texas, one up in Michigan, another one over in Maryland. So I had several job offers that I could choose from and I kept going to God and praying, God, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? And God just kept laying on my heart that he did not want me to take a position at another church. He wanted me to start a church and pastor a church. And I remember as God kept laying it on my heart, I kept thinking, this isn't God because I can't, I can't do that. I don't know how to start a church. I don't know how to pastor a church. There's other guys that are they're, they're more charismatic. They're, they're more energetic. They're more outgoing. They're, they're more spiritual. They're better leaders. God, God should use one of them to start a church, not me. But see, the thing about the, the call of God is God doesn't call you to do what you're comfortable doing because if you're comfortable doing it, then you're doing it. And God doesn't want to use you to do what you can do. God wants to use you to do what only he can do through you. So you're saying, well, I'm not a leader. Moses wasn't a leader. Well, I'm not the right choice. Moses didn't think he was the right choice either. Leadership is not what we think it is. When we typically hear the word leadership, we all have some definition of what it is. We think leadership is a position. 
The, the president's a leader. Our boss is a leader. The pastor is a leader. A husband is a leader. So we think, when we think of leadership, we have this, this definition of what leadership is, and it usually is, is uh, to, uh, in, in combination with a position. But John Maxwell said this. He said, leadership is not about graphs and flowcharts. It's about one life influencing another. Every one of us has influence over someone else. And it comes in all different relationships. Maybe you have influence over a friend at school. Maybe you have influence over a coworker. Maybe you have influence over a neighbor. Maybe, maybe you can influence a loved one, a spouse, a child. But every one of us have the opportunity to influence someone else in our life. And that is leadership. One reason that we all need this series is not, because, not just because we're all leaders, but every one of us have leaders that we follow. And we need to be sure that we're following the right kind of leaders. So through this series, we're not just going to see the characteristics that we should have as we strive to be the leaders God wants us to be or God has called us to be, but we're going to see the characteristics that other leaders in our life, men and women that we follow, that we, we allow to influence us, we're going to see the characteristics that they should have. And if they don't have the characteristics that the Bible says they should have, we need to find a new leader. We need to find someone else that we allow to influence us. So this, morning, this evening as we begin this series, I want to see the first lesson that Moses learned when God called him to be a leader in Exodus chapter 3. To, to set up kind of where we're at in Exodus chapter 3, I want to remind us about where we, what happened in Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 2 when we meet Moses. In Exodus chapter 1, Israel is enslaved to Egypt. Now, of course, the story started in Genesis when Joseph is sold into slavery and goes down to Egypt and become, ends up becoming number two in the, in the nation of Egypt. And he's part of uh, Pharaoh's second in command. Then there's an incredible famine in the land. And God uses Joseph to not only save Egypt, but to save the entire world from this famine. And during this famine, Joseph's brothers and his father and his family come down to Egypt to live with him. And Pharaoh gives him the best land. And they begin to multiply. And the the nation of Israel begins to grow and become very prosperous in Egypt until eventually there's a Pharaoh that comes to power that doesn't know Joseph, doesn't know the story, and wonders why are all these Hebrews have the best land in Egypt? He brings them into slavery. So Egypt is becoming a very powerful nation, but they're being built on the back of the Israelite slaves. Well, during their slavery, again, the Israelites began to, to, to multiply, and their numbers got to be so tremendous that the Egyptians looked at the Israelites and said, they, they outnumber us, and if they really ever wanted to, they could overthrow us and make, them, make us their slaves, so we have to do something about this. So Pharaoh passed a law that every male Hebrew child, two years old and under, was to be killed. And so it was a massacre throughout the nation of Egypt on the Israelites where every two-year-old boy was, was murdered simply because there was too many of them. 
And then the law stayed in effect where Pharaoh said, anytime a, a Hebrew woman has a child, if the child is a male, it is to be immediately killed. And he, he put forth some, some uh, handmaids, some, some midwives to go deliver the Hebrew children. And their job was whenever they delivered a child, if the child was a male, they were to kill it. And if it was a female, it could live. Well, a lot of these midwives, they feared God. They didn't want to do this, so they just ignored Pharaoh's instruction. And many children were spared, but of course, as they grew older, they were discovered and they were later murdered for just for being a male child. Well, Moses was one of these Hebrew boys who was born. His midwife spared him and his mother, of course, immediately wanted to save him and protect him, so they hid him until he got too big to hide. <clears throat> then she did the only thing she knew what to do. She, she basically put him in God's hands. She built a little, a little basket and made a little ark for him and put him in this little basket and hid him in the reeds of the Nile River and just prayed for God to take care of him. Well, it just so happened. Of course, we know as Christians, nothing just so happens. It's all in God's plan and God's timing and God's purpose. So God had worked it out where Pharaoh's daughter was bathing in the Nile River right near Moses and she hears this baby cry. She sees this little basket. She pulls out the reeds. She sees this baby. Now, here is the daughter of Pharaoh. She sees a male Hebrew child. What she's supposed to do is either kill it herself or give it to one of her servants to kill, but she falls in love with this baby. And she brings it home and she adopts it, and she raises Moses in the house of Pharaoh as her own child. So Moses grows up, and he is raised as an Egyptian. He knows he's not an Egyptian. He knows he's a Hebrew child. He looks different than, than everyone else in Pharaoh's, in Pharaoh's house, and so he, he's told from a young age that he was a Hebrew, so he knows he's different, but he's raised as an Egyptian. He's got the best teaching. He's got the best food. He's got the best provision. He has everything he could ever desire, and he's raised as an Egyptian in Pharaoh's house for 40 years. And then when he's 40 years old, he's, he's out walking one day, and he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave. And it infuriates him. So he goes to this Egyptian and he murders him. Well, the next day he goes out and he sees two Hebrews fighting. And he goes to kind of break up the fight. And they're like, what, are you going to kill us like you killed that, that guard yesterday? So he knows it's, it's found out. He discovers that Pharaoh knows that he's killed one of his soldiers and so Pharaoh is furious and Pharaoh puts a death sentence on him and so Moses has to run for his life at 40 years old. At 40, he, he flees Egypt, leaves everything he knows, and he goes to the backside of the desert in Midian, and there he, he finds a woman, uh, she, her father-in-law, her father's Jethro, and he marries this woman, and he works for the next 40 years as a shepherd in the desert working for his father-in-law. He's just minding his business. He's just living his life. He thinks, I've gotten away from Egypt. No one's come looking for me. My life, this is my life now. I'm just going to be a shepherd in the desert for the rest of my life, leading a simple life, and that's fine. But then God comes to him. And in Exodus chapter 3, God calls him. He's 80 years old when God comes to him. So let's look at our Bibles in Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse number 1. 
Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. Now, when you look in the Old Testament, whenever you see the phrase, the angel of the Lord, it is not just some angel that came down. When you see that phrase, the angel of the Lord, it is Christ himself coming in the Old Testament. It is a Christophany, an Old Testament appearing of Jesus Christ. And because every time the, the angel of the Lord comes, he, he speaks for God and he has God's power. So when Moses comes and he sees the angel of the Lord, he is coming face to face with God. So the angel of the Lord appears unto him. In verse 2, unto, uh, uh, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn and see this great sight while the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. That's why some of the kids run around barefoot around here. It's holy ground, amen? <clears throat> Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land of a good out of out of that land, unto a good land, and to a large, and into a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, uh, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. So this, of course, is the, the story of the interaction of God coming to Moses and calling him to lead the nation of Israel, not only out of captivity, but lead them to the promised land, the land he had promised Abraham so many years ago before any of these things were set into motion. He's coming to Moses and says, Moses, it's time for you to step up. It's time for you to lead. So as we begin this study, I want to see three truths from this interaction that show us the character that leaders are supposed to have. Here's the first truth. Number one, leaders listen for the voice of God. In verse number four, the Bible says that God called to Moses. It's a word that means to summon, to invite. He was calling or summoning Moses to, to, to interact with him, to speak to him. And Moses responded by saying, here am I. Here I am, God. God said, Moses. Moses said, I'm right here. What that tells us is Moses was listening for the voice of God. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm walking through the desert and I see a bush burning that's not being consumed and I walk up to it and it starts talking to me, I'm like, I need some water. I must be dehydrated or something. Heat stroke is kicking in. I need something. But Moses, he didn't question it. You know, it amazes me sometimes in the Bible, some of the things people didn't question. I mean, even in the, in the book of Genesis, the Bible talks about Eve when she's deceived by the serpent. 
she's not concerned at all that the snake is talking to her. Snake starts talking, she's okay with it. Now, I personally believe Dan wasn't going to talk before the fall because, I mean, she's, the snake's like, hey, Eve, she's like, hey, what up, snake? How you doing? Moses, same way. God starts talking through a bush and Moses says, I'm here. Why? Because he was looking, listening for the voice of God. God called Moses from the bush and Moses was listening. The incredible story of Moses and his influence over the world began with a simple moment of him listening for the voice of God. God used Moses to free Israel. God used Moses to write the law of God. God used Moses to build the tabernacle. And it all started with Moses listening for God to talk to him. What have we missed out on because we haven't listened for God? How have we missed being used of God for his kingdom and his glory because we're not listening for his voice? Being used by God that way, listening for God that way, demands faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, we do not have the ability to please God at all. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Look, it's not faith until you hear God speak. If you're not hearing the voice of God, if you're not hearing God speak to you, and look, I don't mean audibly. God doesn't speak audibly anymore. I, I wish he did. It would be a whole lot easier if God would come in a bush. I'd be fine with that. If I walked outside, there's a burning bush and says, hey, Sean, I want to talk to you. You got it, God. Let me kick off my shoes, sit down, what you want. God doesn't speak audibly anymore, but God still speaks to us. And until we hear from God, it's not faith. Look, I've heard, I've heard preachers when they, they start out on some program or they start out on some ministry, they, start, they say, we, don't, we haven't heard God clarify in this area, so we're just stepping out on faith. If you didn't hear God, it's not stepping out on faith. It's stepping out on foolishness. You have to hear God before it can be faith. If I'm going to be used by God to influence others, to lead others, I have to pursue God's presence so I can hear God's voice. Charles Swindoll said this, he said he doesn't speak vocally from heaven, shouting down his word at you. He uses his book. He uses his people, and he uses events in your life. And through the blending of those unusual events, he says, listen to me. Heed this burning bush. Pay attention, and I will speak to you. Answer my call, and I will use you. All that is needed is a hushed spirit and a listening heart. Moses Possess these. Therefore, he heard the voice of God. Leaders listen for God to speak. So are we listening for God tonight? Are we pursuing him where he can speak to us? Or are we so far away from him that if he does decide to speak, we can't hear him at all? God speaks to us in several ways now. One way that God speaks to us is, is he uses his word and prayer. Again, God doesn't speak audibly through us anymore. He speaks to us through his word and through our prayer with him. So as we give time to prioritize the word of God and study the word of God and read the word of God, as we take time to get alone and pray to God, God can speak to us. That means if we're not reading our Bibles, if we're not praying, 
God can't speak to us. If we're not reading our Bibles, if we're not praying, we can't be the leaders that God needs us to be. What would Moses have missed if he wasn't listening for the voice of God? He uses his word and he uses prayer. Second thing he uses, he uses his children. God uses other people in my life to speak to me about my life. Now, usually he does this through relationships, through devotion time, through, 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 uh, through listening to sermons. Look, I listen to sermons all week long. Well, you know, I need them because I know how bad I am. And if I ain't listening to, to other men preach the word of God to me, if I'm not having the word of God instilled into me, then I'm going to mess up, and I know that. And God uses other preachers. God uses other people. He, God uses my friends. He uses April. He uses other people in my life to speak to me about my life. As I live out my relationship with him in fellowship with other believers, God speaks to me through other Christians. Look, Christianity wasn't meant to be lived alone. Christianity was meant to be lived out in community with other believers. Who are you listening to? Who is influencing you? Are you listening for the voice of God? Second thing about leaders, not only do the leaders listen for the voice of God, number two, leaders look for the activity of God. Look at verse number two. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was not burnt, was burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. So if you look at those phrases used to describe the encounter between God and Moses, the Lord appeared. Moses looked and Moses turned aside to see. All those phrases, they all come from the same Hebrew word meaning to see. Moses was looking for God's activity around him. And when he saw God moving, he took notice of it. He didn't say, you know what, nothing's going on over here. So I'm going to go over here and see if I can't get God to move over there. No, he goes, hey, God's moving over there. God's burning in that bush. So I'm going to go where God is moving, where God is working, and I'm going to see where God's working, and I'm going to get involved in it. God is at work all around us all the time, and when we see him at work, it is his invitation for us to get involved with him. Moses was looking for the activity of God, and when he saw it, he stopped to see what God was doing. And you know, we see the exact same model in the New Testament through the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus, in his humanity, he limited himself to living in dependence on God. Look at John 5, verse 19. <clears throat> then, Jesus, then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son, that's capital S, Jesus himself, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what, what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, those also doeth the Son likewise. Now look, Jesus was God in the flesh. He had all the deity of God inside of him. He had all the power of God inside of him. He had the power to say, let there be and everything could be. He possessed 
all the power of God, but he limited himself to live in dependence on God the Father. He goes, look, I'm not going to do anything unless God the Father directs me to do it, and I'll do it through God. He lived in dependence on God the Father. So as we listen for the voice of God, and we look for the activity of God, and when we see God moving, that is God inviting us to get involved in what he is doing. Henry Blackaby said this. He said, ultimately, the father is the leader. God has the vision of what he wants to do. God does not ask leaders to dream big dreams for him or to solve the problems that confront them. He asks leaders to walk with him so intimately that when he reveals what is on his agenda, they will immediately adjust their lives to his will and the results will bring glory to God. Look, God's not looking for us to come up with a great plan. He's not looking for us to come up with an incredible strategy. He already has a plan. He already has a strategy. He is already working, and he is inviting us to join him in what he is doing, and he wants us to look at where he is working and get involved in what he's doing. So look, what's that mean? It means when you're looking around your life and you see God moving over here, you see maybe someone in your life, maybe your, your children, you know, just they're reading their Bible a little bit more. I mean, look, I'd freak out too. But you notice, man, my, or maybe, maybe they're, they're because I know some of you got younger kids, well, maybe they're just, they're asking about God a little bit more. What is that? That's God working in their life. So what are you to do? Don't do it. Well, go ask the preacher. That's God coming to you and saying, hey, why don't you get involved in your kids' walk with God? Why don't you influence them to, to get a little closer? You know what that means? It means you're going to have to walk with God. It means you're going to have to get a little bit closer. When you see ministry work, look, because we, we all want to be used of God. And we see things even in, in our church here. I mean, like, man, what can I do to, to get involved? Where's God work? Look, if you want to get involved, Brother Mac, he went to the rescue mission last Sunday, had two, two people saved. Two people saved and one rededicate their life to God. What is that? That's God moving. You say, I wish I could get involved in what God's doing. Well, go with Brother Mac every first Sunday night and, and, and be part of God working and moving and being used. Look, Harper in the, with the, the community cupboard, 29 people are being served by God. That's the gospel because she not only gives them food, she gives them the gospel, she gives them the love of God. That's an incredible way to be used of God. And look, she needs somebody to come here and help her because she's always here on Tuesday. She needs somebody to come help her, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? Say, so what can, that is God moving, saying, hey, I I'm working. Why don't you come and help? Why don't you come and get involved? Maybe you got a coworker that they're just asking a little more questions. What That's God working in their life and inviting you to be used of him to influence them. Leaders listen for the voice of God. Leaders look for the activity of God. And thirdly, leaders live Independence on God. That's the lesson that God is trying to get Moses to focus on in chapter 3 and chapter 4. Moses needed to develop his character to the point where he realized he needed to depend on God. Look, when God called Moses, yes, he's 80 years old, but he's not a finished product. He's got 40 more years of life. He's going to die in another 40 years. But God, he comes to Moses as 80 years old and Moses was not finished. He had some things that needed to be worked on in his life. Now, here's what that tells us. Every one of us here have areas we need to grow in. None of us are perfect. None of us have gotten to the point where we say, you know what? God's finished 
working on me. When God's finished working on you, you'll see him. So if, if you don't see God, he's still working on you. There's that old, old Sunday school song, he's still working on me to make me what ought to be. You're still here. You haven't seen God face to face. God's still working. Now look, maybe you need to go home and say, God, what area do I need to work on? He'll show you, I promise. You ask God to reveal some things to you, he'll reveal it, but I, I can tell you sometimes it's not pretty. But every one of us have areas we need to grow. We need areas that we need to grow our understanding. And when we, when we grow in these areas and we grow in these understandings, it changes us inwardly and outwardly. How? Because when you realize you need to grow, it produces humility inside of you. Look, no one knows you as good as you know you. I know the weaknesses of my heart. I know my shortcomings. I know my failures. And when I realize those things and look at my life and say, God, I'm a mess, and I'm just so thankful these people don't know I'm a mess because if they knew how bad I was, they'd never come back here. But Lord, I know I'm a, it produces humility where I can look at myself and say, God, I need you to help me in these areas. I know it's only by the grace of God that he could use me of all, use me at all. And knowing who he is and knowing who you are produces humility inwardly. And outwardly, it produces understanding and patience towards others because you understand they're not finished either. God's still working on me and God's still working on you. So when I realize how much God has to do in my life, it makes me humble. And when I realize, well, if God's still working on me, he's still working on them too, it leads me to say, well, since God's still working on them, they're not perfect, so maybe a little bit patient with them. Maybe give them a little bit more grace, a little bit of mercy, because that is what God has given me. When we depend on God, we realize we have to grow. There's humility on the inside and patience on the outside. Look, here's one thing we've got to understand. Leaders who are being used of God, leaders for God are always learning. You're, you're not, and I'm not talking about you're, you're always reading books. That's a good thing to have. But you're always learning about God, learning about your weaknesses, learning how to help others, learning how to do things. When you stop learning, you have lost your ability to lead. What I, what I mean is that none of us have arrived yet. All of us need to grow. All of us need to change. All of us need to fix the problems in our life to learn more about God, to rely more on God. Moses had to learn to grow in dependence on God. Moses made a classic leadership mistake. Moses thought that God had a plan and so God needed him, needed Moses to get it done. He thought, well, God's got a plan and so I have to do whatever God wants done. God has a plan. God called me, so I have to do it. But the reality is, God has a plan, and God is going to accomplish his plan with or without us. He just chooses to use us for his glory. J. Oswald Sanders said this. He said, all real Christian service is but the expression of the spirit power through believers yielded to him. See, Moses spent... Exodus chapter 3 and 4, explaining to God why he was the wrong choice, and he finally just gave up. Look again at verse number 11. And Moses said unto God, Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? So what is Moses' first 
argument about God. He says, God, you can't use me because I am a nobody. And look, that's an argument we all use. Look, God, you can't use me. I'm, not, I'm, I'm nobody. Use that guy. People know him. He's, he's more popular. He's more charismatic. He's more whatever. So God, I'm nobody. Use him. But look at verse number seven. Back at verse number seven. Because this, this is the call to God. Sorry, or the call of God to Moses. Verse seven. <clears throat> and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people that are in Egypt. So God's telling him, Moses, I've seen the affliction of the, of the Israelites. I know what's going on and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So God says, Moses, I've heard their cry. I know their sorrows. I, I know what's going on. Verse eight. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egypt, out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land that is a good land, and a large and flowing with milk and honey, and to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians have oppressed them. God says, I saw the affliction, I heard their cry, I'm going to deliver them, I'm going to bring them up. He doesn't even mention Moses. He hadn't said, Moses, you're going to do it. He goes, hey, I've heard their cry. I know what's going on. I'm going to deliver them. He didn't say, Moses, you're going to do it. He said, Moses, I am going to do it. He doesn't even mention Moses. He goes, hey, Moses, I see a problem. I have a plan to fix it. And I am going to deliver my people. And here's what I'm going to do. Look at verse number 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That's the first time that Moses comes up in God's plan. But Moses says, hey, who, I'm nobody. I'm just a shepherd. God, you can't use me. I'm a nobody. Then look at verse number 12. And he said, certainly, <clears throat> this is God speaking, and certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of the land of Egypt. Ye shall serve God upon this mountain. So God says, look, here's God, Moses' argument. God, I'm a nobody. You can't use me. God's, argument, God's response is, you may be a nobody, but I'm a somebody, and I'm with you. So it doesn't matter who you are. It matters who I am. Look at Moses' the second excuse in verse number 13. In Moses, because... Yeah, I mean, nobody didn't work. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come up unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Here's, here's what his second excuse, and we've all used this one. God, you can't use me. I don't know enough. You ever been there? God, I can't teach that class. I don't know anything. I barely know where Genesis is. Amen. <laughs> God, Lord I, I, Lord, I can't help with the one. I, I don't know anything. You can't use me, God. I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough Bible. I don't know enough. How can I teach that class? How can I invite people to come to church? They may ask me questions that I don't know the answer to. Look at verse number 14. God's response. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. <clears throat> so what God says to Moses, you may not know enough, but I know everything because I always have been and I always will be. See, that phrase, I am that I am, it's a, when you look in the Hebrew, it is the, the, the root word that they, we get the word Yahweh from, the name Jehovah. 
So God is coming to Moses saying, Moses, you don't know everything, you don't know anything, but I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end, and you know me. And that's enough. That's all you need to know. He says, they, they may ask a question that you can't answer, but I'm the answer. Look at his third excuse. He says, well, I'm a nobody. Then he says, I don't know enough. Then look at chapter number four. Let's get down to chapter number four, verse number one. And Moses said, Behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. There's this third excuse. God, you can't use me. I might fail. I might mess up. And Lord, if I mess up, then, then how can you ever use me? Now, God does several things to answer Moses. First, he tells him, he goes, throw your stick down. And so Moses throws his stick down and it becomes a snake. At that point, if I'm Moses, I'm gone. Have the snake, have the bush, adios. See you, God. But he says, throw the stick down, it becomes a snake. And then he says, pick it up. Yeah, that's, Moses is a better man than I am. So he said, pick it up. And I said, what, God? I'm gone. But he said, pick it up. So he picked it up and the, the rod turned back into a snake. Now, what's interesting about this is right when God tells him, he goes, throw your staff down, that's the last time it is called Moses' staff. From that point on, every time it's mentioned in the Bible, it's not called Moses' staff or it's not called a shepherd's staff. It's called the rod of God. It, didn't, it wasn't Moses anymore. It was God's that Moses was going to use. So Mo, God was showing Moses that it's not, his, it's not Moses' power. It's not Moses' ability that gets the job done. It's God's power and it's God's ability and his power and his ability is limitless. He was telling Moses, Moses, if you do this on your own, you're gonna fail. But if I do it through you, you can never fail. You can never fail if you trust in God. Then he tells Moses, stick your hand in your coat and pull it out. And he does. His hand is full of leprosy. Then he tells him, put it back in and pull it out again. When he pulls it out, it's, it's healed. He was showing Moses. He was saying, Moses, I can do what you can't. So God, Moses comes to God and says, God, I may fail. And God says, Moses, if you trust me, if you let me use you, if you use my power, and my ability, there's no way you can fail. Here, God's telling us, look, if you do it on your own, you're going to mess up. You're going to fail. You're going to fall flat on your face and be an embarrassment. But if we trust him and let him work through us, we'll never fail. Look at Moses' fourth excuse in verse number 10, chapter 4. And Moses said unto the Lord, O Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor uh, since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. He said, God, you can't use me. I have limitations. Lord, I've got some weaknesses. They're going to keep me from being used by you. So how does God answer him? Look at verse number 11. And the Lord said unto him, Who had made man's mouth, or who hath maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seen, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou ought to say. He was telling Moses that he may have weaknesses, but through our weaknesses, his strength is seen in our life. He's saying, my God's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. After all that, 
After every excuse he came up with and God knocking every excuse down, look at Moses in verse 13. And he said, O Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, God, I just quit. I've tried every excuse. You've knocked him down, so just, just send somebody else. I cannot do it. And God finally tells him, Moses, whatever you're not, I am, and I have chosen you, so just trust me. Look at verse 20 in chapter 4. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Moses is finally convinced, and he obeys God, and he takes the staff of God with him. Every time he was in a tough spot, from this point on, for the next 40 years, that staff, that rod, was a reminder of God's power and God's supply in his time of weaknesses. Moses is 80 years old, and he gives every excuse imaginable to tell God why he is not the right choice. And from Exodus 4 for the next 40 years, we read about how God used him to become one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. And in Deuteronomy chapter 31, we see Moses at the end of his life. He has led the people out of Egypt. He has crossed the Red Sea. He's gotten the water from the rock. He's seen manna come from heaven. He has seen God provide and protect in ways unimaginable for 40 years. And it's time for Moses to pass the baton to Joshua. And Moses, who at 80, was unsure of himself, was positive he was going to fail, was full of excuses to why he couldn't be used of God and why he couldn't lead, he encourages Joshua. Look at Deuteronomy 31, verse 7. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, nor be dismayed. It's a lot different than where he was 40 years before. 40 years before when God says, Moses, I'm going to be with you, Moses says, you got the wrong guy. Now he's training Joshua, and he says, Joshua... Forty years ago, I, I, I was sure God made a mistake. And he may still have, but I've seen him for 40 years provide for me, protect me, and guide me. And if you just trust him, everything will be okay. Moses has changed. He has lived 40 years seeing God move. He spent 40 years seeing God use him, seeing God keep his word. And he tells Joshua, Joshua, don't worry. God will be with you, and he'll do whatever he says he's going to do. You don't have to be afraid. All you have to do is trust God. Moses became the leader he never thought he could become by listening for the voice of God, by listening, looking for the activity of God, and by living on independence on God. Every one of us are called to be leaders. Can we say we're the leader that Moses was? Pray, Heavenly Father.